Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, Chad Cruz. And Chad, last time on the show, we talked New Year's resolutions. Uh, you, you talked about uh, trying to lose a couple pounds, which I think everybody, you know, it's a common resolution. How, how are you doing in, in that respect? Uh, I'm doing okay. I think I've dropped about uh, maybe 10 at this point. Uh, it's been about three weeks, so... I'm working on it. You know, I don't have those chiseled abs that uh, you see in the magazines and I probably will never get those based on the amount of alcohol I drink, but uh, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. All right. Well, you know, we certainly wish you well on that journey. Uh, but a, a resolution you didn't mention last time was the YouTube channel. Uh, suddenly the Bulletproof media YouTube channel is, is blowing up with new content and uh, we owe it all to you, Chad. Yeah, how stupid of me not to mention this. Uh, I guess I didn't mention it because I had no idea I was going to do it. But uh, all of a sudden, I got a wild hair up my ass, and I decided to start making more videos for the YouTube page, which I should have been doing for the past year uh, or so. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really trying to expand it now. I I feel like we're at this place now where we're getting uh, more listeners, more readers, and it's time to get more viewers. So uh, if you have some good ideas or if you want to watch good-ass videos – made by me, then uh, check out Bulletproof Media on YouTube or click on the YouTube icon on BulletproofAction.com. Absolutely. And yeah, if you, if you have ideas of things you'd like to see on the channel, you could certainly share those with us on social media at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram and at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter. And Chad, speaking of Twitter, yes, an- another area where you failed was I got deciding on, on what movie you were going to what, what movie we're going to cover for our Sonny Chiba episode, which is this episode, by the by. Uh, so we threw it out to Twitter and our, our yeah. thousands of Twitter followers. Uh, and we gave them four options. And the winner, by a strong majority, was the Street Fighter. 51%. Immortal Kombat had 18%. Doberman Cop with 16 Karate Warriors with 15 Street Fighter, it, it's, you know, I guess it's really no surprise that that one won. Yeah, it's the iconic Sonny Chiba film, and I think Immortal Kombat probably confused people. They thought they were voting for Immortal Kombat. Um, hopefully not, but uh, Doberman Cop, I actually have never seen Doberman Cop. Uh, Karate Warriors, I did cover that. That is a badass film, uh, worthy of its own podcast. But I, I think the, the fans won out, and I think we won out, and The Street Fighter is certainly a, a worthy podcast subject, and uh, we're going to hit it as hard as we can. Grab it yeah, by the balls. Yeah. And, and rip it off if need be. Okay, right so yeah, off. the quintessential Sunny Chiba movie. It is the Street Fighter. It was originally released in Japan on February second, nineteen seventy four, and it's rare that we do a movie that's older than me on this podcast. So I kind of yeah. enjoyed that. Um, it was then released in the USA uh, later that year on November the first, uh, which is Bobby the Brain Heenan's birthday, by the way. Oh, uh, really? So uh, anyway, let's get into it. So Sunny Chiba plays Terry. He's posing as a monk, and he's being escorted uh, in, to see a prisoner. Uh, not just any prisoner, though. It's a murderer on death row, and I guess kind of performing the last rites because this guy's about to get hung. Um, and they send all the guards away, and it's just a, a one-on-one visit between Terry and Junjo, is, who is this murderer. Um, and Junjo's handcuffed, um, but he that, that's not going to prevent him from, from mixing it up uh with terry chad no it's a it's an interesting scene because the the guards are bringing 
Terry in, who's, who's disguised as a monk. And you're learning a little bit about Junjo. Uh, he's a murderer. He's on death row, whatever. Um, and when we, when we see Junjo, he's in there. He's not looking too menacing, but he's doing some like karate moves and shit. He's like doing a kata or something. And he, he looks like he knows what he's doing which is scary enough. But the scarier thought to me was he's doing these things right before he's dying. Like I, I guess your discipline has to be extreme to still be practicing your martial art as you die, like before you die. Right. Yeah. Like what would you do minutes before your death? Probably not practice martial arts. Of course I'm not doing that now. So, you know, I'd probably have my last meal. Yeah. Um, uh, which I don't what would that be? Maybe a bacon cheeseburger, maybe mm-hmm. some brisket. I don't know. Uh, probably some hostess cupcakes and a Pepsi. That's for there sure. That's pretty good. That's- that would be my dessert for sure. If I, if that was going to be it, may as well go out dance with what brung me. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so he does that. He does that, that punch to the back of the head, which is the oxygen coma punch, which sounds like an off, like that's either a great wrestling move or I, I know you had a, a thought for that. Yeah, I was surprised at the uh, how useful the oxygen coma punch would be because no one would have ever considered it uh, the idea of punching someone in the back of the head and move like you know taking away the oxygen to the brain and knocking them out. But to me, it sounded like an energy drink. Like yes. he should, like Junjo should be hit with this punch and be so hyped. He'd be like Mojo Rawley. He'd be like jumping all over the cell. But instead, <laughs> it essentially like. Uh, eliminates the oxygen flow to his brain or some shit. And eventually he just passes out and um, the guards are forced to call for an ambulance. Yeah. I mean, that's the most impressive thing about the oxygen coma punch is that the delayed reaction. Yeah. It's accurate without being accurate. Yeah. How skillful do you have to be to know just how hard and exactly where to punch the man in the back of the head? Right. To be like, okay, it should be about mm, five minutes, 32 seconds. And Junjo recognizes that Terry isn't just a monk. Like he sees the look in his eye. Like, yeah. And that was, that was a cool scene. I mean, that's like one of those subtle scenes that uh, movies like this do a good job in is Terry and Junjo look at each other and they see what they are like, oh, you're dressed like a monk. Well, you're not really a monk. You're some badass mercenary or whatever. And then Terry looks at Junjo you're in handcuffs. You're still super deadly to me. And I have to be careful. You know, they, they, they can see each other for what they are. Right. So, yeah. So Junjo goes, walks the, the, does the, uh, the long, uh, the long walk, um, dead man walking yep. up the stairs to get hung. But be, right before they could get the noose on him, he just collapses. Yeah. Um, good timing. Yeah. So again, that's where that oxygen coma punch comes in. And uh, it's, uh, prison protocol you, you can't they're not gonna hang a man who's not even conscious <laughs> I, although i guess it may have been better for him but yeah. they don't do that they're like no we have we have to make sure he's healthy before we kill him yeah we so, have to make him suffer right so they 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 put him out in a, a transport medical transport and uh he heads out and we find out part two of this plan we we've now find out it's kind of a plan by terry to spring junjo from prison yeah, it wasn't just Terry like pulling a prank and punching people in the back of the head or anything. <laughs> he, uh, him, and his little buddy have a plan, and that plan consists of this ambulance driving down the street, and his little buddy 
who we later learn his name is uh, Rat Nose. Yes. Um, he just kind of stands in the street like some weird hobo and causes the ambulance to stop. And it gives the uh, the guards reason to, to come out or whatever to, to, to stop the vehicle and, and get their asses kicked by Terry. And then Terry and Rat Nose get Junjo out of the country and they ship his ass to Hong Kong. Yeah, so he's out. And now Terry and Ratnose are hanging out at their apartment. And uh, I did Show talk him. to RTG earlier, and he kind of had a little bit of information that really changes the whole perception, uh, especially of this scene right here, is that uh, I think in the original version, Ratnose kind of has a man crush on Terry, um, which I didn't pick up from this English dub version, but apparently the the original... The, you know, Ratnose likes likes Terry more than just a friend, Chad. Yeah, I you know the way Ratnose is portrayed, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in in kind of modern times. Like, is he like his manslave? Is he just like his friend who hangs on? Right. Is he a, is he like a, a posse kind of guy? I don't I don't get what he is. But if you if you take RTG's translation that he had watched where he, he continuously calls Terry darling over and over and over yeah. and over again. Maybe he's just like Terry's bitch and he like does, he cooks the chicken. He like makes the phone well, he burns calls. It. He burns the chicken. He does his laundry. Like he just kind of does, he's just doing stuff around the house for him. I, I, I really don't know, but, but it, it makes more sense in a way, but it also makes me question things more. So right. I'm going to forget. I even heard about it. Sorry, RTG. <laughs> so, Anyway, while, while uh, Ratnose is burning the chicken, Terry's just sitting back watching the news, and uh, a story comes on about a young lady named Sarai, and her, her big oil tycoon father has recently died, passed away, and she's now going to inherit the oil business, all his money, all his fortune, and uh, you know you can kind of see Terry take a little interest in that, but oh, before yeah. he can do, do much with it, uh, there's visitors. Uh, at Terry's apartment. Yeah, they're, they're interrupted and uh, for good reason because the brother and sister of Junjo appear and uh, they were the two that hired Terry to get their brother out of prison and now they're kind of showing up saying, all right, where's our brother at? Where's Junjo? We paid you. And Terry, being the, the true businessman that he is, you know, he gets paid to do this shit. He's not just going to fork this guy over for nothing. He tells him, uh, you, you still owe me money. Like Junjo is out of prison. I did my part of the bargain, but you got to pay me the rest of the cash. Right. And, uh, they don't have it. And, you know, Terry is pissed. Uh, we find out one of the things he despises most is people who don't keep their promises. Um, but this, for whatever reason, Junjo's brother decides he's going to try Terry, which was a huge mistake. Uh, the bigger mistake, though, was when he went for that kick, that flying kick. Yeah. Uh, he went flying for sure. He must have seen that in a movie uh, with some extreme wire work because dude goes for a flying drop kick of some sort. And uh, Terry does the old whoopsie and moves out of the way. And out this dude goes the window. <laughs> uh, and it's not a safe landing. It's bad. No, he takes quite a fall. Uh, Terry lived... Uh, many, many floors up. Um, so, yeah, Junjo's brother doesn't make it, and things don't go much better for his sister. And the the whole sister thing, it's kind of, uh, Terry's kind of creepy. Um, 
but things get even worse for her, Chad. Yeah, you know, Terry doesn't have much use for uh, this lady around the house. He's got rat nose to do all his cooking and cleaning. So um, he's also a businessman who, who's got a lot of contacts in the underworld, uh, one of them being this, this fellow, uh, Mutaguchi, or Mutagachi, I'm sorry. Yeah. And Mutagachi is a dude who's got his fingers and his hands and everything and all these dirty dealings. So Terry takes the girl to Mutagachi and uh, essentially sells her as a sex slave. Right. He's going to get money out of her one way or the other, and that's how he does it. Um, but then while he's there, uh, Mutagachi has another job for him. And uh, ironically, it is to kidnap Sarai, the woman that he saw the, the story on. Um, and at first, you know, Terry's like, OK, you know, obviously, he, you know, maybe that's part of what the, that light bulb that went off in his head when right. he was watching. Um, but he's like, OK. But then he finds out that it's the Yakuza who wants and he doesn't like the price they're offering him, and he just doesn't want to work for him. Right. Um, so that kind of puts him in a bad spot with the, with the uh, Yakuza. Yeah. I think it, like you said, initially the light bulb went off. He had just seen this, this news program that talked about Sarai and uh, he, he, it was almost like, Oh yeah, I know her. Like when they, when they mentioned her. Uh, but then when it, when he found out it was a Yakuza job, it became less desirable and then when the money situation came in and they were nowhere near the same number he was, uh, I don't know if his price you know, immediately shot up because of his Yakuza job, but, but uh, he had no interest in working for the Yakuza. And if you don't want to work for the Yakuza and you know their plan, you essentially become a new target of the Yakuza. Right. right. Yeah. And I, that's what I took from it. Like, he's like, okay, sure. You want to pay me this much money? Yeah. You know, that's more money than I usually get. But then when he's like, Oh wait, you know, you got those kind of deep pockets? No, fork over the cash and and, and that didn't happen. So yeah. So Yakuza sends a guy after him, but uh, this guy ends up losing his teeth. And when I say he loses his teeth, he loses his freaking teeth. Yeah, I think the only thing left in his mouth was his tongue and maybe his upper wisdom teeth. That was it. <laughs> That's yeah. So obviously the 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 local talent is not going to be able to handle Terry. Uh so that dude could probably get a job in the same sex slave place. So I bet his. Okay. <laughs> Maybe behind a wall. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the Yakuza use their underworld contacts and reach out to Hong Kong. Cause they're going to need some, they're going to need some heavy hitters to take out Terry. Yeah. That's smart uh, of them. Cause they, they call in for some, uh, some sweet assassins from Hong Kong. That's a smart move. It really is. And, 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 uh, you know, uh, but now Terry, I don't know if he, he just kind of has a good hearted moment or what, what's going on, but I don't know. He feels compelled to, to let Sarai know that the Yakuza is after her. The problem here is she is being, uh, kept safe at her uncle's karate school, uncle Kendo. And he's got a, a full class. I mean, this isn't some like three people. He's basically got an army of karate warriors uh, to to protect his niece, Sarai. Yeah, and, and Terry goes in, and like you said, we don't know what his intentions were. Uh, it could have been that he knows the Yakuza is after him now, so he needs to maybe go on the offensive here a little bit instead of just waiting around to get attacked. He has to kind of like go warn her and become part of her clique. I don't know what he's thinking. Is he that smart? Probably not. But – Either way, he goes to Uncle Kendo's karate school and just starts beating the shit out of people. Uh, left and right, black belts flying this way, black belts flying that way. 
uh, until eventually he, Uncle Kendo shows up and he challenges him. Um, and it becomes one of those things where Uncle Kendo looks like, you know, he could have a potted plant business, you know, <laughs> Uh, six miles some, from me downtown. I don't know. Some, but some bonsai trees, maybe? Some bonsai trees. Uh, but he doesn't look like some karate master who could whoop your ass. But it turns out that Uncle Kendo was, in fact, an ass whooper. Yeah, I mean, he he throws Terry around his school, like literally. He's just tossing this guy around. Um, And, and then we kind of get a little background on all, both of these guys, really, because... We find out that Kendo knew Terry's father. Yep. Uh, and Terry's father was a man who uh, wanted to combine karate and Chinese boxing to, to create the ultimate fighting style, um, which you could kind of see, obviously, in his son, yeah, uh, Terry. Uh, and, and just the mention of his father gives us a little flashback scene uh, from from Terry. Yeah, he, he Terry's kind of in this state where he's been getting his ass whipped a little bit. He's not used to this. He's not used to being on his back or on his butt on the ground, looking up at his opponent. So Terry is kind of going through some shit in his mind. And he has this flashback of his father. Uh, the, the, the last time he saw his father, uh, right before he was taken and killed. Um, and his father essentially told him, don't trust anybody. DTA baby, stone cold, Steve Austin. Every day, and Terry took that, com, you know, combining karate, combine it with Chinese boxing, rip a dude's dick off, punch everybody in the eyeballs, do whatever you gotta do to win, and never let somebody beat you, whatever it takes. Yeah, so uh, we get that, and and that kind of also inspires him to like. This is where he makes the big comeback on Kendo. Yeah. Um. After again getting tossed around a bit, he makes the big comeback. Um. And it kind of ends in a draw, I guess you would say. And, yeah, and both respect. men having, having the, a great deal of respect for one another. Um, so at this point, I guess Terry thought it was a good idea to uh, float out the, the thought of him being the bodyguard for Sarai, but Sarai, <laughs> she wants nothing to do with it. No, she's like this freaking disgusting piece of shit. Like, <laughs> why would I want this guy guarding me? Like he is gross. Uh, he'll, he'll probably rate me. Uh, at least try to make out with me at some point, which he probably did. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand why Sarai wanted nothing to do with Terry. And uh, what's, what, what I liked about the film is eventually Terry kind of latches on, but she kept, she retained her Kendo bodyguards. Like she yeah. still had them with her. Yeah. So then we go back, we, we cut over to Hong Kong and we get Junjo back into the story and he's just kind of hanging out in a brothel, um, chilling. just chilling. And you, we also meet uh, the two assassins who are going to be sent over uh, to get uh, Terry or to try to kill Terry. Yeah. Um, but at one point, the, uh, the owner of the brothel, um, he decides, hey, you know, hey, Junjo. You can have whoever you want. You can go downstairs, check out our women, whatever you want. Have have a good time. We love you here, Junjo. Uh, and when Junjo goes downstairs, uh, quite a shock to his system. Yeah, what a hell of a ride there because uh, there's a bit of an incident there at the brothel. There's some, uh, some law enforcement or somebody comes in and starts messing with Junjo. And then he takes care of them in his own way. And the proprietor of the brothel is, is happy about this. So like you said, he offers him his, 
his pick of the litter, his his choice of all the uh, the lovely ladies that are that are working there, and uh, the excitement in his body, the blood rushing down to his uh, pee pee loins, uh, loins. Yeah, I like pee pee better. Okay, uh, but he cruises down these stairs. Just you can see the hope in his eyes, and then as soon as he looks over to his left, the first girl he sees is his young sister. Yeah, and that that uh that change your mood real quick. It's not good. Um, but to to the proprietor's credit, he takes advantage of the situation and is like, "Hey, you can take your sister out of here, uh, and uh, away from this horrible life she's about to be living." Right. Um, but here's the here's the catch: you have to go back to Japan and kill Terry the very man who is the reason he's alive, ironically. Right. right. And it's, it's one of those weird things. Cause I think that June Joe to this point was thankful for Terry. And then when he finds his sister, okay, my sister's in this, you know, this slut house and my brother is dead. Uh, you know, he's flung through a window off a building and dead. So who do I have to blame? I have Terry to blame. So whatever goodwill he had towards Terry is now in the shitter. Right. And yeah, so he can justify that in his mind. Like, yeah, maybe he, he saved my life, but he killed my brother and look at what happened to my sister. So right. yeah, he, he's in the right there. Uh, you know, Junjo's another guy. You can't judge a book by its cover. No. And, and he, he doesn't look like a million bucks. That's for damn sure. He looks like he's, uh, you know, about 11 days into a, a drug binge, but he, was in prison for a reason. He was in prison for murder. And I believe at the beginning of the film, they told us that he murdered like six people using his crazy karate skills. So um, about every time you see him in the film, he's, he's practicing something. He's like, like I said, his discipline earlier, he's like, you know, practicing his karate minutes before he's about to be hung to death. So that, that tells you something about the guy, but um, he's a dangerous dude. And, and, and I would have preferred maybe a scene in there somewhere where he, you know, beat the shit out of a handful of guys out in the street or, or uh, maybe a flashback of him, you know, fighting some people or something, anything. And yeah, actually Chad, right at the very beginning with Junjo, when uh, Terry's going into the prison and the guards are telling them about him, they really do build up Junjo as this homicidal maniac, basically, but kind of like uncle Kendo, you know, the, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover, I suppose. Right. What we learned uh, in this movie. You know, I, I, I'm a kind of guy, I like to be shown things instead of just told things. Give me a slightly younger Junjo flashback where he is protecting his fair sister from a bunch of, you know, uh, perverts or something. And then that would lead directly to the, the current situation to where she is in a sex slave situation and he has to protect her once again and he'll do anything it takes to do it. Yes. Yeah, so we also see, uh, two, uh, Two of the assassins, we meet them in this brothel as well. One of them is blind, I believe. Yeah, it's got the, you know, the Zatoichi thing going on with them. I think, you know, that was, it's always been a popular uh, story in, in Japanese cinema. So I think they were just trying to do their own, their own little Zatoichi with the blind swordsman. Yeah, we get the Junjo set up to come back. Um, but now, even though he was not officially hired for the job, Terry and Ratnose are keeping a close eye on Sarai and she kind of leaves the karate school uh, with a whole entourage with her. Um, and Terry and Ratnose decide to tail her, but 
kind of we, we talked about this last time in our March for Death. Once again, our hero has to deal with some heavy machinery. Yeah, it seems like it's one. Of, that's one of those movie tropes that they always slide into into films with the villains using. I can always think of a Showdown Little Tokyo, where they use the construction equipment to trap the vehicle and to crush it. And um, it seems like every action movie in the eighties and nineties had something like this in it. And well, yeah, you had uh, nowhere to run as well. Nowhere uh, to run. And, and Gene LaBelle operating the machinery. Yep. And that, and in this, in this situation, Terry and, and Ratnose are in the vehicle and it gets smashed. It gets smushed a bit and then it gets dumped off of a bridge. Um, and sadly, for these uh, Yakuza members, they go down to confirm the death of Terry. And uh, instead of confirming his death, they get their brains smashed in. Right, right. Their, their death is instead confirmed. Yes. Uh, we also get the x-ray effect uh, in this thing, which I've seen pop up in other, like in some of the Hong Kong movies, a lot of the Bruceploitation stuff I watch. Every once in a while, you'll get that x-ray effect. Uh, so you see what's happening internally right. when these punches or kicks or chops or are taking place, which is kind of a cool thing. It's, it's funny to me because it, it kind of reminds me of like Mortal Kombat, the video game, mm -hmm. because uh, Terry, he's a fighter, right? He's just like, he makes weird noises and grunting sounds and he beats the shit out of a bunch of people, but he's not like this exceptional, like he, like uncle Kendo beat his ass for a while. Like, right. He's not this guy who's going to blow you away and never get hit, never get punched. He's not Seagal. You know what I mean? He's never not going right. to get hit. So his is more just like he never quits and he refuses to lose, but he has like these finishing maneuvers where he hits you so hard, your skull collapses and you get to see the skull and the x-ray effect. Or later on, we'll see uh, ripping a man's uh, penis off. Yes. Yes. That's uh, the second time you've mentioned it. It obviously stuck with you. Yes. It, uh, it would stick with any man who watches it because it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. Um, but yeah, and this is what, you know, after they try to kill him, now nah, you done pissed him off. Now oh, yeah. he's pissed off Terry. <laughs> he goes looking for, uh, I think he goes to Mutagachi's house or yeah. place of business first. There's some big guy there in the hallway, beats the shit out of him. Um, and he just starts looking because he realizes that they have Sarai, who he was trying to follow and protect, but they've got her. And he finds out she's actually being held at uh, Mutagachi's country home. Um, and that's where we get your scene, Chad. Yeah. Because there is a uh, African-American character who we saw earlier with uh, Junjo's sister, who was all kinds of rapey. Oh, I mean, yeah. this guy is like, like, like that's his thing. He, he just, he just, his, his face lights up with joy at the prospect of, of rape, which is disgusting and horrible. Yes. Obviously, which makes it wonderful when Terry does what he does to him. Uh, if you want to mention it a third time, because, you know, the third time's a charm. Yeah, and it's funny with Terry, because Terry and Ratnose are kind of cruising around as a crew. And we talked about Terry's ethics earlier. Um, you know, is he just in it for the money? At some point, he, he kind of, he has limits, you know. He's not going to work for the Yakuza. And then the Yakuza come after him, and he said, to screw, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to go and warn your enemies, and not only warn them, but help them. So I think at some point, he's, he, he, takes off the hat and puts on the white hat of a good guy. And he's like a true protect protector of Sarai. And maybe that point is before this, but this is where he really, he really kind of like proclaims it. You know, he, he sneaks into the country home of Mutagachi. And as he climbs up the balcony from his rope, 
in this freaking grappling hook, uh, old rapey dude is trying to get balls deep in her. And Terry, the guy turns around just in enough time for Terry to reach in there with a full Kung Fu grip <laughs> and rip this guy's whole package yeah. off. Twig and berries. Twig and berries, boxers and all. Thankfully. Uh, it's like a, a, a bratwurst you'd buy on outside the courthouse on the street. You know, it's, <laughs> it is disturbing. Uh, and what's great is there's enough time there. There's like a three second pause with the camera where you get to see him just holding this thing in his hand. Uh, yeah. And then it cuts down to the guy and he's just laying there. He's either dead or so depressed that he's just going to, or yeah, he wants to die. He's just going to sure. drown himself in his own pool of blood. Yeah. If he's not dead, he wants to be dead because yeah. Yeah, his life has changed dramatically in just seconds. Um, yeah. It's like pretty extreme. Said. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and I think the brutality of this movie and, and is what really puts this one on the map and differentiated yeah a Sonny Chiba movie from a Bruce Lee movie. Not that Bruce Lee movies weren't violent, but I mean, when you're ripping yeah. dicks off, that's a whole other level of violence. Yes. And, and Bruce Lee is the guy who would beat everybody's ass in a room and barely get touched. Terry right. is the guy who gets his ass kicked by several guys, but you just can't beat him because he'll literally do anything, including rip your dick off to win a fight which I love it. That, that was me, you know, as a young man, as a kid, you know, my older brother beating the crap out of me all the time. Like I would just, you know, grab hold of his toes and start twisting them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whatever it takes to win. Right. You, tough, tenacious. I'm a toe twister, like man. Whatever it takes to win. Like you said. So Radnose and Sarai managed to uh, scale down the, uh, the, with the rope and, and get away. But Terry gets kidnapped. And this is again, where we get to see, that toughness of Terry uh, on display because they got him like tied up to a tree. That's like right on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool scene. And, and they're just beating the crap out of them. Um, the Yakuza lady shows up. She decides, Oh, why don't we play some Russian roulette? And you think, okay, I mean, he's, he's tied up. There's nowhere to go. She's got this gun. He's not telling him where Sarai is, but his boy uh, against what Terry told him to do ends up coming back. Yeah. Ratnose has got this affinity for, for Terry that we don't quite understand. Uh, Although based on what RTG told us earlier, you know, he's, maybe, gay, he's gay for him. Uh, right. Yeah. Now that makes a little bit even more. I mean, right. You can get like a friend, not wanting his friend to die, but if he had even deeper feelings for this man, yes, it even makes more sense. So, which, you know, that's fine. Do your thing. Uh, but when you're going to bring that in, to Terry's business and spill the beans on him like that. There's you're, you're basically guaranteed that everyone's going to die. You know what I mean? Right. It's, and it's only by the grace of God and, and they're, uh, he's not their friend, but a guy who, I don't know. It, he doesn't, it's not inadvertent, but he does help Terry escape. Uh, if you would say escape, he does plunge off of a cliff and into the river right. below. With another, another, yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing too with that scene is like that. And I think that's the guy who owns the brothel. Yeah, if I'm that, not mistaken. And I so, never caught his name. I'm not gonna. No, lie. I, I didn't either. But uh, so he's there. So yeah, they're playing Russian roulette. And you think? And he's like, no, no, no. Let me do it. Yeah, he's so I'm thinking guy. he wants this to be honorable. Yeah, he wants to fight the man, but no, he just cuts him loose. Yeah. And he falls. So I'm waiting for like this big fight. And instead I get another uh, 
free falling situation. And I wonder, you know, it would have been funny if after he had done that, like he swiped down with a sword and hits the rope and the dude falls off and he's like, whoops, <laughs> you know, like I was actually trying to kill him. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My bad. But yeah, yeah, it seems like he was really going for, he was going to uh, cut him free and then fight him, but right. it didn't happen. No, it did not happen. So that was kind of a, another swerve there. Um, and again, you got to wonder too, with, with when you get the, the English subtitles and just right. the translation, are we, are we losing plot pieces? And obviously we probably are. Right. And in, in a movie called the street fighter about a guy as badass as Terry, you're going to get underdeveloped villains, which is fine. You know, we have Hong Kong assassins who is, you know, blind guy and guy with knife. That's like, right. that's what I know them as blind guy with sword guy with knife. Uh, or rapey black dude or, you know, whatever, like everybody has their own little gimmick. And this dude's gimmick was, he was sort of wanting to fight Terry uh, and, and more of a uh, one-on-one situation, but you know, it didn't come to pass. What can you do? Right. So rat nose, and I'm surprised they let rat nose live as well. Yeah. But, he appears. Uh, and I'm like, what is he doing here? Someone kill him. So rat nose races down to, to the, down to the river where Terry has plunged down into. Um, basically I'm sure to, he's probably thinking to recover the body. Yes. Um, but the toughness of Terry cannot be underestimated because that motherfucker survived that fall. <laughs> he did. He survived, but he is all kinds of pissed off at rat nose. Cause he disobeyed what he said. He's like, stick with her. Don't worry about me. Get her to safety. He didn't do that. So guess what? Now Sarai has been recaptured and somehow they're now on a ship. Out yeah. at sea. Right. And that's one of my favorite locales for like a finale, an action movie finale is just out to sea because you've got so many cool elements. You've got the, the weather, you've got the lighting, you've got kind of the claustrophobia of being inside a ship. There's a lot of cool things you can do with a scene like this. And I, you probably don't remember this, but I wrote uh, um, one of my fantasy flicks about uh, my reboot of Highlander. And how I would have had the finale of that film be on an oil an oil rig out in the ocean, and that would leave that open to you know weather inclement weather with lightning and thunder and shit like that in the background. Right. And uh, and this movie has a little bit of it, as we'll see in a minute. Yes, we will. And and that's the, one of the things too. They kind of so she's out at sea. So Terry and I don't even know how he knows that's where they are, but I don't think it matters. Who cares? So he goes down to the docks and that's where he takes on the blind uh, assassin. Is that my correct? Yes. Yes. So we get his, uh, the Zetoichi versus Terry fight. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's also where Ratnose kind of redeems himself. Yeah. Zetoichi guy is there with a sword and T- Terry doesn't, he's not going to carry a gun. You know what I mean? He's a street fighter. So sword guy is, is kind of got one up on him at this point. Until a random dude on a small motorbike keeps riding back and forth like a freaking jousting horse uh, at Zatoichi guy. And eventually he gets sliced one too many times, wrecks his bike, and it gives Terry just enough time to uh, to close the distance on Zatoichi guy and take him out. And then, of course, we find out that the guy on the motorbike is Ratnose and, you know, he proclaims his love or whatever before he dies. Right. So they're all good. Uh, Rantnose could go to the great beyond knowing that his friend did not hate him. Yes. Um, so then somehow or another, and I don't think this is explained, Terry gets out to the ship. 
yeah. I don't think he swam because he seemed dry. So he must have taken a boat. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, he gets on board. Now inside, Sarai's finding out, you know, all this deviousness that's been going on because of the money and, and the oil company that she inherited. And I think it was actually like a, somebody her father knew who was kind of orchestrating a lot of this and trying to make her sign everything over. Um, but she's refusing. So she's, you know, she's shown some toughness too, a different kind yeah. of toughness, but she's shown her toughness as well. So it almost, you know, again, we talked about this last time. If this was a Van Damme movie, I mean, for sure, Van Damme and, and Sarai would be hooking up. Oh uh, yeah. He would have, if they hadn't already. Yeah. They're definitely hooking up at the end. Oh yeah, he would have shown his ass and everything. <laughs> yeah, he would have stripped down and swam. <laughs> I'm going for a swim. She would have put his clothes in a uh, water tight backpack, swam Zip-lock, out there, Ziploc bag, Ziploc bag, got on the ship, butt ass naked, <laughs> put his pants on, and then gotten to to rescue his lady. Um, or he would have done a speedo, but as he's like a like kind of like fixing it, he would have like pulled it down and showed his ass. You know what I mean? I've always done right. <laughs> Like, why'd you have to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Rat knows would have loved that. Okay. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so he does make his way on the ship. Yeah. Again, Sarai's not doing the thing. And yeah, this is what you were talking about. We get the motion of the ocean. We've got oh, the, yeah. the lightning it's there's wind, there's rain and uh, it's Terry and Junjo. And again, how ironic that you know, Junjo wouldn't even be alive if not for Terry. And now he's the very man that has been hired to, to kill Terry. Yeah. And Terry has to go through a bunch of henchmen on the ship before he can even get to Junjo, which is great because he beats the utter hell out of these guys. And that's the funnest part of this film is watching Terry just beat the shit out of henchmen because he shows no remorse and he treats every henchman as if he's a, a main guy. You know what I mean? Like he beats them with the sheer ferocity that he would a main villain. Uh, and then we finally get Junjo and him out on the deck of the ship. Like you said, the the rain is coming down hard. So they're like soaking wet. So it's got a whole different atmosphere. And every other fight is different in this film. Right. This, this one is, is pouring down rain. And then Junjo's sister uh, swoops in, tries to kind of make a play for for Terry and like wraps her she wraps her arms around him like in a bear hug or something, right? Yep. And she grabs a pole and she's just like, stab us. <laughs> like, stab through me to kill him. And uh, he does it. Junjo sh- shoves a <laughs> sigh through her back. Um, but it doesn't quite work out the way they thought it would. Yeah, no. And uh, so, yeah, this that's, gives Junjo a little extra motivation, though. But, uh, yeah. again, Terry, the toughest SOB maybe an action movie history. I'm not sure. It's he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. He doesn't like, he doesn't want to die. And he's, uh, what's the movie that you've seen the film true romance. I'm sure many of our mm-hmm. listeners have seen that in film as well. And if you remember the beginning of that movie, Christian Slater is at the movie theater watching the street fighter. And he's talking about Sonny Chiba and how he's a bad motherfucker. He gets paid to fuck people up. And those are both accurate statements. They are. They are. So, you know, once the fight ends, so does the movie. It's just the end. But uh, right right underneath the end, they're hyping the sequel. So they they knew they had something here. I wonder if that was always the case. It was once it hit, uh, you know, because, again, there was months between 
uh, its initial release in Japan and then in the U.S. So was that something that got added after the fact? Like, okay, we're going to release this one. We're already working on the second one, so you could kind of hype it right uh, at the end there, the return of the Street Fighter. It almost felt like a James Bond kind of finish where see him again. And, you know, we watch Terry again. He's he's losing this fight. But one last epic – you know, reach out with his hand and he rips the freaking throat out of this guy. Right. Again. And he just yeah. holds it in his hand, smiling and with that laughter of a man <laughs> who somehow has survived again. Uh, and really enjoys his work. He enjoys his work. He's good at it. You know what I mean? Like that. that and and the, the fact that uh, he makes it to the end of the film and he's no better off than he was at the beginning. You know what I mean? It's not like right. at the end of the movie, he somehow found a giant, treasure or something you know what i mean like he's still a mercenary he'll do anything for money at the end of the film just like he was at the beginning of the film right yeah uh so, so again yeah if it, it was definitely it was an american film you know he probably would have got the girl and yes. you know well that'd be it like i had to do what i had to do but now i'm going to start a new life a, a normal happy life a family no you don't you don't get that vibe at all uh watching this one no um so yeah Definitely. This was, I think, the first time I saw this entire movie from like start to finish. Um, I would catch pieces of it here and there, but this was the first time I sat down. So I, I'm, I was excited for it. Yeah. Obviously, this you know movie has a, a great deal of aura around it. Uh, when people talk about it. when you talk about Sunny Chiba, like this is the first movie I think that pops into everybody's head. And again, I think that's why it it easily won the poll that we we put right. out there. Um, so yeah. Uh, Great uh, chance for us to talk about Sunny Chiba here on the Bulletproof Podcast for the first time, Chad. Yeah, and it's fun because we don't we don't talk about Sunny Chiba movies very often, uh, and I'm sure you know as we continue to go on with the Bulletproof Podcast, we'll maybe at some point we'll get another one in there. Uh, I hope to. Um, yeah. But even if this is the only one, it was a good one to to do because, like you said, fans love it, and it's been popular for many years in the states as well as I'm sure it is in, in Japan. They made uh, I think just one actual sequel and then a couple and then a spinoff. Uh, so there was sisters, sister street fighter. There may, I think there were two sequels and then there was a sister okay. street fighter. Yeah. So, so, so there was a, a fair amount of movies following this character of this bloodline or whatever. So um, yeah, there's popularity there and people enjoy it. And you can see when you watch the film and you can watch it on YouTube, you can find it in various different places and it's just, it's actually public domain. So you can find it online without having to worry about pirating or any of that shit. Yeah. I, I think that's where I was seeing a lot of it was on uh, the Pluto. Pluto has a flicks of uh, fury channel. Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll catch, you know, but then you got the commercial. So sometimes you kind of get like, okay, let me see what else is going on. I think I watched it on internet archive or something like that, where it's yeah. just like all these public domain movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, there's graphic violence, extreme ass whoopings, karate, badassery, I mean, I don't know what else you could say about a movie. It's it's called The Street Fighter. It focuses on Terry beating the shit out of people. It's what his job is. He has a cool little workout montage, and every once in a while he pops his shirt off and does some pull-ups. And Rat Nose just kind of like struts around his <laughs> his condo and makes some chicken. Right. So it's Badly. strange. But, yeah, burnt chicken. Right. It's strange, but it's it's a lot of fun. It is a great, yeah. And if you've never seen a Sonny Chiba movie, obviously, I think this is the movie you want to start with. Um, 
but I'll tell you what, some of those movies that we had on the poll have intrigued me. And it's like, I kind of want to check out Immortal Kombat. Uh, right. I, I think the Roddy Piper uh, aspect that definitely uh, appeals to me. Uh, and, and Meg Ryan being in there, Piper and Meg Ryan reunited, even in that situation. So, and Doberman Cop sounds interesting. And I know you covered Karate Warriors uh, on the site as well. I did, yeah. Uh, so, and of course, yeah. the, the one film that didn't make the list was G.I. Samurai. But that's because it wasn't available from where I was looking anyway. Right, bastard. So, but yeah, I know you love that one and you've covered that one as well. Yep. AKA Time Slip, I believe. Yes. All right. Well, that's that does it for our Sonny Chiba episode. We want to wrap up by wishing Sonny Chiba a happy birthday. He actually turns 82 on January 23rd. And he has such an incredible uh, filmography just going back and seeing, I love samurai films. He's done so many great samurai films and ninja films and uh, Masayama karate films. And he's just like a freaking karate bullfighter, karate bear fighter, shark fighter. He's fought everything. So uh, the street fighter is kind of the one to start with. If you haven't, if you haven't been into Sonny Chiba movies in the past and hopefully this podcast helped you find some of that love. Yeah. He actually, didn't he get, uh, what is the guy from uh, Ninja in the dragon's den? Didn't he get that guy's career started? Um, what is his name? Sonata. I don't know. Ryoki Sonata. I think he was part of like some of those Sonny Chiba movies and was, yeah, he did, uh, it was a legend of the eight samurai. He's done a couple of those with him. Um, I don't know if that was Sonata's first film. He's still making awesome movies now, which is what's cool about him here. You yeah. I, I got it right here. Sonata joined the Japan action club, which was organized and run by Sonny Chiba when he was just 12. Hell yeah. So yeah, he became, you know, he was kind of under the learning tree of Sonny Chiba. And yeah, Sonata is fantastic we got to talk about ninja and the dragon's den one of these days oh yeah we'll, we'll do a ninja podcast here coming up soon hopefully and then uh you know at least this year at, at worst and then you know sonata did like he's he's kind of branched out in the hollywood you know he did wolverine right he did the the kind of reeves one whatever that was called the samurai one yeah and i mean yeah he's yeah, he's you know he does like shakespearean stuff as well so he's yep. yeah definitely uh a, a, a true blue actor uh who got his start in in these bloody and graphic fighting films, uh, you know, from overseas, which is an interesting journey. Uh, so yeah, definitely would like to talk about Sonata and Ninja and the Dragon's Den sometime, but again, happy birthday, Sonny Chiba. You are a legend, uh, and you deserve, you deserve a hundred podcasts about you, but hopefully this one will, uh, appease all the, uh, Sonny Chiba fans for now. All right, Chad Cruz. We talked about the Street Fighter, but next time I have a feeling we're going to talk about Street Fighter because we're discussing video games turned action movies. Okay. And there's a few that jump out to me. Um, of course, with Street Fighter, you just mentioned, and you know, Mortal Kombat and uh, Resident Evil, the massive series of films. Um, but I'm excited. Tomb Raider. Tomb, oh, yeah. Tomb Raider. Those were those existed as well. Right. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot out there. I'm a, this is a Ryan Campbell podcast episode. Ryan Campbell will be joining us. Okay. One of my favorites, Double Dragon. Double, I know oh, it gets, yeah. It gets oh, a lot of hate, but I, I like it. Mark Dacascus, Alyssa Milano. There's all kinds of good stuff in that. Robert Patrick, yep. Robert Patrick is the, the 
frosted tip bad guy. Yeah. The goatee. Doesn't get much better than that. So yeah, we will be talking about video games Fantastic. turned into action movies next time with Ryan Campbell, who'll be back on the podcast with us. Um, but again, we want to encourage you to check out our YouTube page. It's at Bulletproof Media, uh, our YouTube channel, I should say. Um, and check out the webpage, bulletproofaction.com. Something new each and every day. I know, uh, I think RTG was talking before we went on the air that he has a, a wrong turn reboot that's coming up. So check that out. A little action horror coming your way. And you never know what else is going to be, but you know something is going to be new every day, Chad. Yeah, we don't mess around like Terry Sarugi, I think his name was. So yes. we, we, we will not be stopped. We will continue to post every single day till the end of days. Uh, or until we we all die from to our end of days, right? Until, until you die of chlamydia. Um, but wow, wow. what a <laughs> I can see the future until my dick is ripped off. But uh, yeah, we we post every single day. We spread the love around. We have several writers now, so we're we're trying to touch on every subject. You know, you're not just going to get ninja stuff. You're not just going to get. Uh, 80s action from brain you're not just going to get early 90s action from me you're going to get a little bit of everything with the bulletproof action right and, and that's you know i think one of the great things about having a you know multiple members on the staff because we all have our our go-tos yeah for sure that we kind of like fall back on um and Street so it gives, a, gives some variety to it you know you know, one day you might get a, a bruce floitation movie from me and the next day you're going to get some kind of cyborg movie from Chad Cruz. You, you, <laughs> right. you never know. It just, that's the great thing about it. And uh, yeah, I know uh, Ryan Campbell's going to be covering the new uh, WandaVision series for us as well from Disney plus. So awesome. A lot of I stuff heard. coming up and again, right. Good just thing. right there. I mean, we've got an action horror, we got WandaVision and uh, you know, I want to cover mortal Kombat at some point, probably not anytime soon, but that's definitely on my, my watch list now. So and, and you know what? I I do have a, a review. It'll probably be posted by the time this comes out, but uh, but check in bulletproofaction.com of my latest review of another robot killing people movie. There you go. Which See? I love those. I told you. Robot killing people or alien ripoff movies. Yep. Chad Cruz has got you. I'm all over him. Um, he is all over him. So again, check it out, bulletproofaction.com. Follow us on Twitter at bulletproofpod and on Instagram and Facebook at Bulletproof Action. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 